what happened <laughs> oh okay i can keep going if you want to narrate i don't know that, that was like one of those like you know like those moments where you're sitting in a park and you're telling a story you know and someone breaks out guitar mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah yep. you ever see that scene in animal house where the <laughs> there's the one guy that had the guitar his guitar didn't fare so well through that scene <laughs> <laughs> i remember that yeah it was pretty funny though i mean you know i mean it's even though i'm a you know I probably would have been one of those guys, and it would have been wouldn't have been funny if it was me. But then again, that's Schadenfreude. No, I I think it would be funny if it was you, dude. Well, if it wasn't one of my guitars, I mean, I said it was just a prop guitar. I'm sure I could pull it off. You remember what happened the last time we tried to do a recording? It was like, you know, deaf mutes trying to talk to each other on Skype. Yes, deaf mutes that could fully articulate words and did not give the appearance of being either deaf nor mute. Well, it's actually pretty funny because, you know, the last time we could actually see each other uh, through video, and obviously the audience can't hear uh, see us, they can only hear us, so it would be kind of difficult for them to, you know, see us doing sign language and shit, even though I can't do sign language, except for, like, give the finger to people, you know what I mean? Yes. Well, I, I can do I can do a little sign language. Uh, my mom is pretty fluent in it. Um, I can do the alphabet, and I could do a few words here and there, but... Um, uh, thinking about sign language makes me think about. Uh, did you ever read Huckleberry Finn uh, back in the day? Oh, I did. It was a signed reading for anybody over there because it was it was a signed reading over here at one point, and it was also in third grade. I had a teacher that read to us, and among the books that she read to us, one of them was Tom Sawyer, and then she read Huckleberry Finn next, and then she moved on to uh, some of the later works that were like, uh, the both of them as secret agents or something. It was kind of like this serialized story that's really rare, and I, I don't remember much of it. It was like published in newspapers, I think, and compiled. At any rate, it was kind of like, uh, it was more adult and a little bit kind of darker material. But anyway, Huckleberry Finn, right? So uh, there, do the, what was it, the, the, the Duke and the uh, King? The Duke and the King, the, the two con artists that, that uh, Jim and Huck fall in with and end up kind of like roped into their, their their con game. Do you remember this? Um, vaguely. So one of them has to pretend to be deaf, right? And so because one of them has to pretend to be deaf, the other one has to pretend sign languages to them. And of course, he can hear everything that's going on around him. So they just they're just making stuff up wildly, and it's it's just some pantomime. You know, it's not, and then. It, you you can only imagine what it looks like when you're reading it, right? You know, because uh -huh. it does say say it's a. I don't remember the exact 
phrasing it, but it does give the impression that what he's doing, he looks fairly ridiculous. And then any, any, uh, any filmed version of it that I've seen, it's been more kind of like, um, like nothing too more ridiculous than say what a base, base coach might do, you know, pointing, nodding, you know, mm-hmm. if you, make, you know, silent, just silent communication. It looks, it looked pretty straightforward, but you know, the stuff that they, they made it sound in the book, like it was some extravagant kind of, um, like if you can imagine that the uh, when like when C3PO tells the Ewoks of their past exploits and he's you know using all these sound effects and whatnot, I, a lot of it is because he can't articulate his face or his hands or his arms very well, so he manages to make chop noise, chops things with his arms, you know, and he can kind of do sort of wiggles to make head, but it's all with sound effects, right? Right. So so what I'm saying is like um, it was somewhere between. It was somewhere. It was only slightly better than what he was doing, except without the sound effects. It was see through people. It was not. It wasn't. Didn't look crazy. So I remember being a little bit disappointed at that. Kind of wanting to see just like a, some strange, ridiculous uh, display of fake sign language, just because uh, it might have been. I don't know. Might have been funny. Um, and then we did get to see a ridiculous display of fake sign language when uh, Nelson Mandela died. Unfortunately. Yes. Yeah. Uh, both. Both unfortunate that died, although he was quite quite elderly by the time he did um but also unfortunate that uh some charlatan managed to get right next to the <laughs> pretend to do sign language on national tv during his funeral it's like oh dear mm-hmm. um probably you know, like have you... one guy who should not have been at uh that funeral yes well yeah one guy I mean, you know in the best of circumstances also nelson mandela perhaps not also at his own funeral but yeah you know, hey uh, uh, things things happen it's just a guy everybody dies i actually well, I mean, we- just came to uh jersey on august 2nd i i actually uh missed it it was yogurt hosers by kevin smith part of the um part of the trilogy with um uh moose jaws that's coming out uh whenever the hell he does it and of course uh the movie tusk which is about podcasting right Right. Walrus, yes. Hashtag walrus, yes. And uh, he, he did it in Red Bank, and I work in Red Bank, but unfortunately I didn't get a chance to see it, so I'm a little disappointed about that. Yes, that was that, that would be disappointing. I, uh, I'm i kind of looking forward to Yoga Hosers more than, than, I, I'm look, than, I, than I look forward to seeing Tusk. Um, did you see Tusk? No, no, I have not seen Tusk. Oh my god, dude. Tusk is hilarious. It's... If you're, you know, anyone out there that's going to be listening to this, if you love podcasting or you're thinking about doing podcasting, and this is just, this is actually a movie for you because here you have a guy who's a complete utter asshole who has a podcast and he's going to, he's from New Jersey, he lives in California and he's flying out to Canada to uh, interview this guy who, well, I don't want to give it away, but... Let's just say his uh, adventure leads him to the legendary, awesome Michael Parks. Oh, yes, Michael Parks. Along came Bronson. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the uh, wonderful role of the preacher in uh, Red State. Oh, mm-hmm. yes, Red State. I actually that got a seen. signed copy by Kevin Smith uh, for Red State. Wow, that's pretty awesome. Uh, he didn't sign it personally, but uh, I bought it from the stash. Still. The last time that we attempted to do this, everybody... Um, you ever have, like, an uncle, and, and I'm not saying this about Tyson, you know, I only talk shit about him behind his back, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> um, you ever, like, one of those uncles that, like, no matter how hard you try to pay attention to what they're saying, you can't quite, like, figure it out what they're saying? So, like, you're saying, like, uh-huh, uh-huh, and then just, like, laughing because they're laughing and you're hoping that, you know, they're not making fun of you? 
that's how it sounded last time, and I'm glad that it's it's actually a lot better now. Did yeah, you um? Hmm. You saw Kill Bill, right? I have seen Kill Bill Volume One. Ah, you guys see Kill Bill Volume Two. Yes. Um, Michael Parks is also in the in those movies, by the way. Oh yeah, yeah. He was. Uh, yeah, it's his uh, Earl. No, what's his name? Earl McGraw. Yes, he played that in Dust Till Dawn. Yes, yes, famously, yes. I was going to say Earl Skakel, but that's not right. That's somebody else. I don't know who that is. He's definitely uh, the. Uh, he definitely can do some some character work. That's for sure. But I, I, he, I definitely liked him in um, Tusk. He was definitely this crazy, whacked out old guy living in the middle of nowhere. Like uh, it was is a French Canadian, I believe, somewhere. At least that's what the. Uh, what the uh, what I understand the description of being, but this is back from when before there was even a movie. I heard something about uh, he, he was, I think I'd heard Kevin Smith on one of his podcasts say that he uh, Michael Parks did his French Canadian accent for him, and he really enjoyed the way it sounded. Now I don't know if that made it into the film or not because I there's a lot of gaps between uh, the story between in time between when I heard the story and obviously now it's a movie that's done and in the canon gone and I haven't seen it yet. You know. Um, um, he didn't actually use an accent. He just spoke regularly. He spoke like he normally does, like down in here. It's kind of it's got that low sort of register, kind of like around there. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I can't I'm even. You, it's definitely like an awesome movie, and it's like I think it's Kevin Smith's like you know he called it like his horror movie sort of deal. Mm-hmm. So it's well, kind of like a dark comedy, but like a horror movie at the same time, and. If you're definitely a big Kevin Smith fan, this is definitely something that doesn't really necessarily look like Kevin Smith, but it has like a Kevin Smith sort of feel because everyone talks not normally. Let's just say that. But you, do you mean like uh, like hyper realistic kind of, or like a like a what's the word I'm looking for? Not exaggerated. No, not exaggerating, but there's Michael a... Parks definitely like sounds more. He talks differently than like most people would talk like in person, you know, like regularly. You mean like the type of type of type of words he uses or it's not an accent thing is what you're no, saying? No, not, it's like not an accent. He just sounds like he's using like brilliantly smart words. Oh, okay. He's eloquent. He's loquacious. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Well, I look forward to eventually seeing that. Oh, it's, it's, it's like I said, it's, it's definitely funny because their, their whole podcast um, you know that that dude that um, let me see if I can Google it. In fact, you know that dude that um, let me see if I can Google it. Mm, okay. Guess what? I can't Google it. <laughs> I love Google, dude. I can't. Can you still hear me? Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, just fine. Yeah, Google's a lifesaver. Oh, it definitely it's, is. It, it's still just very hard to say. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Google. the dude's name is Haley Joel Osment. He's uh, oh yeah, Haley Joel Osment. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with Haley Joel, Haley Joel Osment. I've seen at least two of his no three three movies that he was in, um, and all of them were a long time ago that I saw. It's like I think he was in Liar Liar. Um, as the yeah, as the young as the I think as he his might son. Have been, yeah, like when he was like real small. Real small, yeah, and then uh, of course the Sixth Sense. The and then, where I, I see dead people. Yeah, yeah. And then um, uh, AI. AI, yes. Now, AI was a very interesting movie, I thought, and it was, like, right there at the beginning of the 21st century. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, I like that movie as well. It didn't... Uh, I don't know that I... Uh, I think we might be in the minority in, in enjoying that film, but I, I did. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I didn't... You know, 
I didn't walk out of it going, yay! In fact, I didn't walk out of it. I saw it on home video. I just was like, wow, that was a really, that was a very unique, uh, moving experience. That was, you know, because it was a real bummer in, in spots, but it, I think it was effective. Oh, I, I definitely do think it. It had like that Pinocchio uh, yeah. type feel to it, or, you know, like Mr. Data from Star Trek, because obviously Pinocchio and Mr. Data were endeavoring to become human, and so was this, you know, artificial child of course yes oh yeah the pinocchio syndrome pinocchio effect pinocchio something yeah i, mean, I remember I uh yeah go for ahead. all intents purposes it's definitely the pinocchio syndrome yeah for, and in fact roddenberry uh mr gene roddenberry i heard him say it himself uh during the um the uh, they had this sort of series of right before um the, the next generation star- series started on television. They had kind of a special event lead up to it program that was kind of like a little bit of a history of Star Wars plus welcome to new Star Wars kind of preview uh, show right before the uh, encounter at Farpoint aired. And, uh, you know, in, in, Mr. Roddenberry was on there and said, yes, data is Pinocchio. And then talked about other stuff. He went through all the people on the ship and well, I think he did. They sort of went through and it would cut to him and he'd give his take on what they represented. Like and it also went back to to the original series too. He talks about Mr. Scott and how uh, the Scottish, the seafarers, the engineers from Scotland, and how like uh, Scotland is full of people who invent things and whatnot. I mean, he didn't go on a long time. These, these are just the, the these are the glossy points that he made. But yeah, yeah, it was interesting. It, it was cool hearing his. Uh, it's always cool to hear it from the horse's mouth, as it were. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Gene Roddenberry was a genius and. There seems to be like a type of like I don't know like a fight not really like really a fight but like definitely a a debate on what universe is better Star Wars universe or Star Trek uh, universe and I kind of grew up in both because I like both you know mm-hmm. and well, if you watch comic book men and you know you follow the whole Kevin Smith thing you know they're big Star Wars geeks yeah i've never i've never felt the uh i understand what you're saying i i've definitely noticed there is a conflict or has been for some reason but i've never felt the need to take a side in in that fight because i i think there's room for all of that stuff oh, i also absolutely. like i also like the dune universe so you know and that's kind of not really managed to make it to film in its entirety at least um a couple times and i'm not saying i like dune more than star wars or star trek it's just another one of those epic kind of like series that's filled with just dense and you know it's a big it's kind of like lord of the rings of sci-fi ah yes but if you listen to randall graves there's Mm. only you know there's only one trilogy and there's only one return and that's the return of the jedi that's right (laughs) that's right i remember that and clerks too clerks too absolutely my friend yeah, Clerks 2, I actually really enjoyed a great deal. Um, it took me a while to see it, but I did see it, and I was... Uh, it takes me a while to see his new films sometimes, and it's not its not out of aversion to them. It's just I don't actually see that many movies, uh, new movies. Uh, as I, I, I tend to see them after they've been around for a while, so it really depends on what it is. But I, I've seen a lot of old movies. <laughs> <laughs> that seems, seems to be 200, uh, sorry hmm? no it seems to be my problem too it's like i never have time like because you know you're always busy with like projects and everything like that you know mm. and you know you do a lot for you know combat radio and all that so you you're you're busy so to see a movie like when it comes out it's like probably almost impossible same with same thing with me like i want to see um suicide squad but 
I probably won't watch that until it comes out on DVD. Yeah, that just came out, didn't it? That's that's one I'd like to uh, I'd see, but um, I think what's going to have to happen is we are we are going to go through the. Uh, the wife and I just started watching the Batman movies, from uh, Burton to um, we're going to go we're going to do the uh, the Burton the Schumachers and then the Christopher Nolans and then Man of Steel and then she's going to watch Batman v Superman and by that time. Well, if we watch one a day, which we probably won't be able to do, it'll be like a week or so. So Suicide Squad may still be in the theater. And if it is, it's in the same universe as Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, as I understand it. So we might be able to... That might be a movie that we'd see in the theater this year. But I think the last movie we saw in the theater was... uh, It was Star Wars The Force Awakens. Uh, Uh, So like late December, early January around there. You know what I noticed... What's that? I've noticed that, like, when movies go into, like, remember how, like, back in the old days, and we're not even really talking, like, old, old days, but a movie would come out in the movie theater, right? Mm-hmm. And then it would be out of the movie theater when it ran its time, but it would take, like, forever, it seems, before it came out on, like, you know, VHS or DVD or Blu-ray. And oh, yeah. it seems like it takes, like, a matter of weeks before it goes out of the movie theater onto Blu-ray. That is true. It, it, it's uh, they're certainly pushing them the home video a lot quicker. Well, that's mm-hmm. the that's what they call that. That that's not what they call it. I remember um, it's like the second bite at the apple, as uh, Kevin Smith has mentioned about home video before. Is the people who maybe missed it in the theater will still buy the video if they're fans, and then they'll make up money that way. That's I mean, true. yeah, I mean, they really want to get it, you know, and also depending on the season, the way the movies have been being released, um, yeah, they'll push them out and try to get. Uh, also, there's well, there's video on the man, demand as well, uh, and sometimes it'll be released on video on demand as well as home video at the same time. For example, the recent animated version of Alan Moore's The Killing Joke, uh. which I have not seen, but I have read The Killing Joke, and uh, it just um, it just released on Blu-ray and digital, I believe, on August second. Which, 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 you know, do you know what what's significant about August second in the Kevin Smith universe? What's that? That's his birthday. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, he, he, that would make him forty-six this year. Yep, yep. Hey, listen, for forty-six though, he's still like the the biggest geek out there, and I love it. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I remember when he had his fortieth birthday on uh, back on on Smartcast Internet Radio. He had a big a bunch of people came through to wish him a happy birthday that day, and I don't remember who they all were because it was <laughs> six years ago now. But um, uh, yeah, that was pretty amazing. So that's I, I actually just, uh, we've actually the, been friends for about six years now. Sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a yeah. uh, been a long time, and uh, I remember um, right around Kevin Smith's. 40th birthday wasn't at the time when he got kicked off the airplane for being too fat it was close yeah yeah it was close to around that time that's the one with the uh the smodcast episode uh that i think schwalbach was uh sorry mrs jennifer schwalbach i shouldn't refer to as schwalbach it's just he calls her schwalbach so i hear that and it's just it it, you know it's probably not proper for me to say it that way because she's not my friend or my wife i don't know her personally so right but he, she was the uh, co-host of that particular episode. And do, do you remember what that episode was called? I do not. It was called "Go Fuck Yourself, Southwest Airlines." Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. If you want to hear his his freshest, freshest version of the story, 
go back through the smodcast and look for that one because if it's still up that is something else it's like an it's over an hour it's probably just shy of two hours and it's a uh, hell i might listen to that when i'm working tomorrow just to just to remember what that sounds like oh i'm definitely this- gonna look it up because i um actually i listen to um a lot of podcasts as you know mm-hmm. and um one of the ones i do listen to i mean i listen to a lot of you know kevin smith uh, a lot of his podcasts because it's they're actually pretty funny and he's got like a couple of different ones but i do like the one and i forget the name of it let me bring it up okay <clears throat> go ahead uh, yes absolutely and i got it by the way it's called fat man on batman Yes. Oh, yeah. He just yeah. His Suicide Squad episode just dropped like uh, today or yesterday. So yeah, uh, I've heard Fat Man on Batman the podcast. I haven't certainly haven't heard all of them because he now has more podcasts uh, that I than I can keep up with with all the podcasts that I do listen to for Suckatash with Mark Hershon. Uh yes, the comedy podcast podcast. I listen to uh, Mark all the time. He's actually. Uh, He's got, like, one of those soothing-type voices, like he should be, like, you know, uh, on a jazz station, mm. perhaps. Oh, yeah, he's got a great radio voice. Absolutely. Yeah, and always... it's very hard to, um, well, if you're if you're new, it's very hard to attain that level, that, that voice, I think. Well, it's it's certainly, I, it, you know, it must take, it, it must be, you know, it's a deliberate thing. I mean, I'm not saying it's straining. I'm sure he's just gotten got it down by now. I'm just, but it's a, it's definitely something that you know it takes enunciation, and you know, we write. He obviously writes for what he does. You know, and that's that's an important. Uh, that's I think that's an important part of it is that it's uh, it's written, and so it's it's a it's a well thought out. This is what I'm going to say, and so then it's just a matter of making it sound natural, and it does. He he also delivers it naturally. It doesn't sound like a speech. You know, he's oh absolutely. I think that, um, you know, if you're going to, you know, do a podcast like we obviously here are doing where it should be, well, not like rehearsed, but maybe like written down so like you have some content, you know what you're talking about, you know, because so many times you, you listen to someone and it's just like you want to kill yourself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, uh, let's see. Have you have you heard the latest, the latest Succotash by any chance? Uh, you know, I've been so busy lately, I haven't been able to, but I'm I'm going to listen to it probably sometime during the week. Okay, it's fine. I just, there's a, something brought up on it that I thought I'd uh, run by you now, uh, if up? you don't mind. Yep. Well, there is a movement that I think Mark is trying to start to rebrand the name, uh, the word podcast into uh, something else. Uh, because the podcast, the word, come, you know, you know why a podcast is called a podcast, right? Um, I do not. It's I think it's because of the iPod. <clears throat> oh, okay. But iPods aren't a thing anymore. I mean, they exist. You can find them on shelves, but you can't. They stopped making them. So, and they're also not exclusively on iPods anymore because now your phone can play MP3s, you know, and has been able to for a few years. But basically, the idea of something that only played music and the iPod kind of became obsolete. So, calling it a podcast is like, well, now there's no pod anymore. And then people who don't know anything about podcasts who are just learning about them will often say, well, what's the pod for? And then that's a whole, you know, why is it called a podcast? Like, what is it? You know, like when people haven't heard about it, they're still kind of in that place of what, you know, lit radio on, on a computer. There's still that, you know, and that's fine. That's, that's just, you know, that takes a while to spread. You know what I mean? It's kind of like an internet radio show, right? 
Yeah, yeah, but that's still kind of a really foreign concept to just regular people. You know, they're not dummies. They just haven't heard of it. It's not, you know, it's it's still a growing kind of awareness, which is great because it means there's a whole untapped potential audience. But at any rate, so Soundcast is what he wants to call it. So he's kind of starting a, he's going back to like broadcast, broadcast, podcast, Soundcast. Simple. I yeah. like Soundcast. I mean, I think I that if he wants to, um, well, I did ask him to uh, eventually jump on the show and uh, be a guest and... I think that'd be like a great topic to uh, discuss that with him about, you know, trying to rebrand the name podcast. Yeah. But I think that anyone, I think like if it, you know, if it's like a movement that takes off, I think anyone that's like wanting to do a podcast should jump on it while there's still like no guards at the door telling you that you can't do it. Right. Yeah. I think, uh, go ahead. Because it's, that's one thing that Kevin Smith talked about at, um, at one of his podcast lives, uh, Jay and Silent Bob gets old. Okay. He was talking to some <clears throat> podcasters, basically, and he said one of the things, you know, he said, do a podcast because right now there's there's no one telling you that you can't do it. It's like if you fucking feel like doing it, just do it, you know? That's a great point. Mm-hmm. There is, there, there is literally, aside from just having access to uh, certain types of technology, there is practically no barrier to entry, and there are very few bars as far as what what uh actually there's really no bars you can anything can be a podcast if it's recorded audio and then it's compiled into a small form that can be then found by other people to listen to that's that's really all it takes to technically be a be a hopefully formally podcast um so in a soundcast to be one of those it's yeah it doesn't take much to to create one but i mean like uh to to create one that people want to listen to now that's that's a whole other thing. So there's, is that magic or is it just um, having an interesting conversation with somebody? Is it, you know, is it editing magic? Is it what, you know, that that elusive spark of life? Oh, wait. You were talking about getting movies on VHS earlier. That made me think of something. And uh, when you, yeah, what was the first movie that you bought on VHS? Well, wait. Either and if, if if it was used, then what was the first movie you ordered from a video store on VHS? If that happened to you, wow. Um, what movie did I buy on VHS? That's that's a good question because that was like a thousand years ago, my dude. Yeah, because um, yeah. I know what mine were. <laughs> I got a few of them, but I'll, I'll wait. That's cool. <laughs> well, I used to record a lot from like you know I used to stick the blank tape in the VCR and just record off the TV. Oh yeah, me too. Yeah, but I think I'm that sorry. I I'm remember. Sorry, I went to Suncoast Video and I bought like the entire Friday the Thirteenth collection on VHS. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's cool. That's cool. So you had to put in the order for it and then wait for. Oh, did you just pay, take them off the shelves? No, I just picked them off the shelves because you know the thing about Suncoast is <clears throat> they actually have it's it's like they're fully stocked with movies. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I remember. I I, I spent a lot of time at Suncoast. Yep. And the, the the best thing is if they don't have it, they can always order it for you. It just takes like a billion years for it to get here, you know, get to the store. Oh, yeah, especially if it's out of print or a moratorium or something like that. Exactly. Like I, so, yeah, I uh, we had a video rental store in my – remember those? <laughs> a VHS rental store? I Oh, my God, dude. For me, yeah. it was Blockbuster, dude. Oh, we didn't have one of those. We had locally owned mom and pop ones. Uh, in fact, the only well, I'm back in Arcata, and the only uh, chain 
there might have been one blockbuster briefly, but uh, the only one that survived is like uh, of the big chains, a spotlight video uh, up here. But there used to be a, uh, there used to be a, quite a few um, mom and pop uh, video stores that you know they'd have a library of stuff on the shelf, and then you could rent. There was a package where you could rent the. You'd rent the machine if you didn't have one, and then you might get a couple of movies thrown in, and that was kind of how we started watching movies at home. Uh, was with rentals until, of course, we could get our own VCR eventually. But um, so that's another story. Um, but I remember ordering um, a movie at the video store, knowing it, that they were going to get a copy of it for sale. Like you, that was the other place where you, before Suncoast where, where you could where you could buy a movie if you wanted to pay. Like sometimes, I mean, this is a thing. Like uh, see, VHS is sometimes each copy would cost like a hundred dollars of a movie. Like it was like Rocky or picture show was a hundred dollars. If you wanted to buy it on VHS from the distributor, because it wasn't, yeah, otherwise you had to wait for it to find a used copy in a supermarket somewhere or something. Mm-hmm. So, so the first movie that I, said, I would like to order this through you so that when you have the copies that you're going to buy to rent, I want to, you know, so I take it home. Like, this is a brand new brand new transaction kind of thing at the time. Um, and that movie, that was, uh, that was Batman. That was Tim Burton's Batman. Ah, uh, you know, I'm glad you brought that back up again because not too many people, like, and I do, I do certainly because I saw that in the movie theater and I grew up with it from, you know, being the child of mm-hmm. that decade. Um, not too many people appreciate, I feel, like, Tim Burton. You have to, like, really, really like him to get his work. Because even, like, his Batman had, like, a dark feel to it. Did you notice that? Oh, yeah. Well, even between the two Batmans. I mean, Batman Returns was darker than than Batman. Like, the, it just was darker. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like, that's why I like Tim Burton, though. Because he, like, everything he does has, like, a, like a dark... Uh, feel to it you know like nightmare before christmas corpse's bride and definitely the batman movies and they're his batman of course is very unique Mm -hmm. uh from dc's version of batman yes yeah oh well yeah there's i mean it was certainly inspired by uh the dark knight returns the graphic novel um and uh bits of the killing joke but yeah, it invents a whole other uh, origin story for the Joker, which is just not you know just not a thing. But it's I guess the Burton verse now. I guess it's you know. Yeah, you can like definitely J- um, like add Tim Burton's version into the into the universe of Batman, because if as you know, you know if you re- well obviously you read the the comic books, Batman mm-hmm. uh, Joker never even killed Batman's parents. No, 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 no. That was. Uh... No, that was completely fabricated for uh, for the for the movie. It was an interesting take on it. I mean, I think that really divided uh, hardcore <laughs> Batman fans, and then new Batman fans, and then some of the less hardcore ones. There was probably a lot of a lot of you know a lot of fanboys turning to each other, going, "That's not the way it happened." And then you know, probably another a larger, uh, not maybe not larger, but also the same size group of people going, "Yeah, but who cares? It was pretty cool. That's an interesting idea." Oh, it definitely is. And by the way, a few months ago, I picked up Killing Joke. Did you? Yeah, the uh, the graphic novel, and I absolutely loved it. Yeah, it's it's amazing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. what's another good gift for somebody, like, you know, like you're in a relationship, by the way, everybody, and you like <laughs> comic books, but maybe she doesn't or he doesn't, Mad Love. Mad Love. I think I've heard of that. Isn't that a Drew Barrymore movie? Uh, no, that that's actually a uh, Joker and Harley Quinn book. 
See? Okay, I've heard of that, I, I, but I, let me let me uh, let me look that one up. I kind of want to see what the uh... yeah, definitely Google that. That is like awesome. It's like definitive book. Now, wasn't wasn't Harley Quinn created by Paul Dini for the animated series? Uh, yeah, actually, or, um, for the nineties animated series, Harley Quinn was actually created solely for that series. And was that I'm what it was? Pretty glad she it, it took off that character. Wow, because that was a total guess on my point. Apart, I thought maybe it had been like. Uh, I mean, I was wasn't a complete guess. I, I what I was worried about is that I gotten one of the details wrong, and it was like, yes, it was created by Baldini, but not specifically for the series. And it's like, well, you know, that's that's why I asked. I gotta know. I like I like being corrected. I like getting the real story if I'm wrong. <laughs> it's cool. I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> no, a lot of people... you were you were right though. You you asked if it was created solely for that series and. In her inception, she was created for that series, but then as her character grew, because don't forget she became a very popular uh, female villain in the in the DC world. That's why she's getting so much like recognition right now. Oh well, yeah, she's in that uh, Suicide Squad movie they just made. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Mad Love, yeah, it's one it's a one shot comic book written by Paul Dini and Bruce Tim. It's a Batman Adventures Mad Love, and by the way, it is also a 1995. <laughs> <laughs> uh, film with Chris O'Donnell and Drew Barrymore. You were right. Uh, when you well, said Drew Barrymore. So, but I mean, it wasn't. Yeah, it's. But it's not. It is. But it's not what you were talking about. You're talking about the graphic novel. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. oh, there's also a 1935 film. Oh, by the way, what's significant about Chris O'Donnell and Drew Barrymore? By the way. Ah, uh, what's so significant is they played in Batman Forever as uh, Robin and Batgirl. She was Batgirl. I thought she was like Sugar. It was like Sugar and Spice. Wasn't she Sugar? <laughs> Um, I thought Debbie Mazar was spice. Like there was the one who wore white and the one who wore black, for, and there were like two faces. Um, oh, oh, malls, I'm sorry. Yes, you are correct. She also played. Uh, I'm. You know who I'm thinking of? I'm thinking. I'm of, such uh, a nerd. Alicia so Silverstone. Sorry. Oh yeah, she was. She Batgirl. played Batgirl, and Drew Barrymore played the. Um, she played Sugar in as uh, one of the um, Two Faces girls. Yeah, you know what's funny is I thought you said bad girl and i was like yeah she was one of the bad girls and <laughs> I, I heard that completely wrong <laughs> so i was like oh yeah that's right and then so i didn't want you to think i was making fun of you because i i just heard that wrong and i was like uh, no no you're actually correct uh you're actually correct i mean i had the right idea just you know different characters but that's yeah yeah yeah. that's exactly what happened too because then out a, a few seconds later i was like oh wait a second there was a bat girl wasn't there but just in the next movie and yeah, that's right. That's right. It was Alicia Silverstone. Gosh, Alicia Silverstone. That haven't seen her for a while in a film. No, uh, I haven't seen her in in a long time. Speaking of Alicia Silverstone, really quick, I'd like to. Uh, there is a podcast uh, right now called As If. I've heard a little bit of it, and uh, there is a gentleman who does the uh, Tuesdays morning Tumblr with me. Uh, his name is Darren Husted, and he uh, has he creates this these podcasts that are like where they watch one minute of a movie at a time and then talk about it. And they are currently doing that for Clueless, and that uh, that podcast is called As If. So As if you're, I'm gonna check that out. It's going to be on SoundCloud. Uh, I don't know if it makes it on iTunes or not, but um, but yeah, there's people just having a discussion about the movie, and they're literally just going one minute of the movie at a time per episode. I find that kind of thing fascinating because it's just the balls and the, the idea and the commitment to something that seems so tedious as an idea, but it could be could you know I've heard an episode I was like yeah this is fine I could I get this you know yeah definitely it's, I mean 
I like the um, I like the concept of it, and it, it's kind of like um, Mystery Theater Four Thousand, whatever it is. Oh, Mystery Science Theater Three Thousand. Mm-hmm. MST Three K, as people, uh, yeah. yeah. I was just looking over some Ed Wood movies earlier, and uh, at least uh, three, two or three of them were were adapted for Mystery Science Theater. Oh, this is the Bride of the Monster. Sinister Urge and uh, the Violent Years. I don't think Plan Nine has ever been Mystery Science Theater, but I believe it might have had a riff tracks issued for it. I'm not sure. I do not know. The last thing I will say though is, is I, I do enjoy a podcast where people are talking about movies, especially Clueless, because Clueless was actually pretty damn funny for the time it came out. Oh yeah. Yeah, that movie was. I enjoyed that movie much more than I thought I would. Uh, I had a friend who 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 liked the film and was going to watch it, and I was around. Basically, I didn't have anything better to do, and so I. I it did get a good review on. Uh, I think Siskel and Ebert gave it some favor a favorable review, or one of them did, if not both of them. And I was like, okay, well, that's the thing. Do I mean, you remember Siskel and Ebert? Speaking of which, movie critics. Oh, absolutely. They're like the most hardcore critics like out there. People were like afraid that they were to get bad reviews from. Yeah, there was there was there was two things that were, there were, well, four things, but there were that would guarantee that I would want to see a movie. Uh, and one of that was two thumbs up from Siskel and Ebert, and the other one was two thumbs down from Siskel and Ebert. Because if they gave it two thumbs down, I was like, wow, how bad could this film be? And a lot of the times it wasn't, depending on what it was. It just it just wasn't their wasn't their cup of tea. And uh, their split decisions were pretty interesting too, but I don't remember what any of them were at the moment because it's been a long time and my brain's not that full of crap. <laughs> Sounds like you gotta like you know defragment your uh, memory warehouse there. Yeah, absolutely. Like a like one of those uh, like like a, a drive a disk drive defragmenter, one of those type of things. Absolutely. <laughs> Gosh, I remember. De- That's not necessarily a bad thing, dude. It just means like your head is like you know full of stuff, you know, full of like. And however you want to, like, you know, project the knowledge, it could be, like, very useful knowledge or it could just be, like, a smorgasbord of just useless information. It's true. It's true. It's true. Well, that about does it. For the Antisocial Show, I'm Tyson Saner. And I'm Hunter Block. Be decent to each other.